search your hearts and listen to him. Let the Holy Spirit reveal the truth to you and what you might change in your life. Uh, this message was a struggle for me. It's, uh, as I read some of the scriptures, I'll maybe share a little more. But I, I just begin to realize how short I have fallen as a husband, as a father, and so often as a friend. But as I read some of the scripture and Satan reminded me, yeah, you did that. No, you didn't do that. You did that. I was just reminded how gracious God's love and forgiveness is. And so may you remember that this morning. As I'm sure Satan may try to stir your heart. Maybe try to blame somebody else for choices you made. But as we continue to talk about family this morning, we're going to touch on marriage a little bit. We'll touch on parenting and on family, and we're going to touch on relationships and what God says. So may God visit each of your hearts this morning. Plato said, the saga of a nation nation is the saga of its families written large. This generation needs our help, just as we did. In fact, This world needs Jesus. They need to know Jesus. They need the truth of what God's word says spoken to them. They need love. People walk around today like zombies. And they walk around like zombies because they're dead, not knowing Jesus. We live today in the most complex period of history. Notice I said, I didn't say the most chaotic, because I'm sure there are other generations that will tell you the generation they grew up in was very chaotic. Those that went through World War II, I can only imagine. Those that went through the Great Depression, I can only imagine. Those that went through Holocaust, I can only imagine the chaos that they went through. But the complexity of today comes from the headlines from the social media, from TikTok, from Google, from Facebook. It comes from the announcement proclaimed to be the truth only to find out that it's not the truth. Then there's the thought that the truth is whatever I feel like. The world and this nation are in chaos, that's true. We are caught up in a storm of anger and outrage, of violence and abuse, abuse of power, abuse of trust, In a world of fear, a world of war, of terrorism, of economic uncertainty, and a judicial system that has failed us. The headlines and the story that we read and we hear today concerning all these things is simply God's warning to a sinful world. The world and this nation have changed, and there are a few nations that hold the power to change this world. And right now, we are one of them. The more complex and uncertain the world becomes, the more we need God's truth for guidance. God's world is practical today for peace, just as it was in the beginning. The world is crying out for a message of hope, and that message has been around for years. There's still a good reason to have hope, and that hope is in Jesus Christ. When society fails, there comes an opportunity to repent and seek renewal. We need to recognize the failure of living without God and living in disobedience. 
God has not re revealed how his work is to be accomplished, and often God's work is hidden from us. Ecclesiastes reads, He has put eternity in their hearts, except no one can find out the work of God that does not come from beginning to end. But God has put a longing in our hearts, and he has given us his truth in Scripture. The question is, will that instinctive longing for the truth and hope persuade us to respond in time and turn our world to the salvation of Jesus. Many are living in fear and insecurity, many asking Jesus to come quickly. Instead, we should be obedient to what God has asked us to do all along, and that is to be his servants and to get busy in making disciples of all nations and baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. As we worry about what's going on across the globe and what's going on in politics and what's going on in our economy, we should really be concerned about what's going on in our families. In the home, character is formed. Attitudes are formed. Integrity is born. Values by which we come up with clear goals are set, or they should be. These things, when set up properly, last for a lifetime and bless the family and bless the community and bless the nation. Today, there are many couples that are living without being married, yet they are trying to bring children up. It's been reported that more than four or five million couples are living outside of marriage. And some people say, well, marriage is just a piece of paper and it doesn't really mean anything at all. And while there are fewer marriages, there are more divorces than before. While we have countless books advising us how to solve our family problems, how to solve our marriage problems, how to parent our kids, or at least how to be able to shift the blame to somebody else because it wasn't my fault that I'm the way I am. Yet with all those resources out there, we are more miserable, miserable more broken, more torn, more hurt, more confused than we've ever been. Why? We have taken the word of God out of our relationships, out of our marriages, out of our families. And we've made them something that feels good to us in the moment and gives us satisfaction for the convenient time. God laid the rules for a happy home. He laid those down and we've broken them. We need to return to God's word and build our homes on that solid rock. Ezekiel wrote, like mother, like father. We can also add like mother, like daughter. We can also add like father, like son. As parents and believers, we have the responsibility to set good examples, not just for our kids, but for our community, for those around us. Parents are supposed to set examples for our children regarding the Bible, regarding prayer, regarding integrity, regarding honesty, regarding truthfulness. God is interested in your family. He's interested in your marriage. He is interested in your children. In fact, they are not your children. They are his. He shows us the ideals and the goals for family, and he's willing to guide us. Ezra said, I proclaim to seek from him the right way for us and the little ones. Ezra was seeking the guidance of God and his will for his family. 
The husband-wife relationship is the key to family success. Psychologists, psychiatrists, sociologists, and all those family-oriented books indicate that the home will rise only as high as the husband-wife relationship allows it. Children need to see and feel the love between father and mother. They also need to see the love between grandparents. They need to understand that this is a generational love. In addition, as grandparents, you should be supportive of your children that are now have that difficult task of raising those kids. Be supportive of them in a gracious way, in a loving way, in a kind way. Encourage them. I know, after all, we have raised our kids perfectly. We have made no mistakes. But be prepared for this when you try to correct your kids when they are a little off on parenting their children. Be prepared for them to say this. That's the way you brought me up. Don't be offended. It's an opportunity to reconcile and seek forgiveness because we are not perfect parents. Many marry today without an idea of how much is at stake. The scripture says, do not be unequally yoked together. There needs to be spiritual unity, not just in the family, but in the body of Christ as well. Marriage is made up of three, the husband, the wife, and God. It is that third strand that keeps the other two together. He is the foundation also which the church is built on. Marriage and family unity on a good day are hard. We all have problems, disagreements, but we should accept each other's fault and forgive. We are in a relationship that God has formed and blessed. Marriage is not always romantic. But never completely stop having those intimate moments of sharing the blessing of oneness in him. Keep love in your marriage. Otherwise, it will seem like it's a business or a job that you need to report to each day. So how do we do that? Well, let me give you just three words. We need to learn to cherish. We need to learn to communicate. And we need to learn to compromise. The enemy of love relationships is pride and self-centeredness. You see, love does not demand its own way. Marriage and family must be Christ-centered. Commit first to him and his will, for he is the solid foundation that you need for all your relationships. Do not make your relationships, do not make your marriage, do not make your family an afterthought for the last of your priorities. You can't do that when you truly know Christ. You know true love for each other involves commitment. To do what is best for the other person, it's about loving the other person before self. In marriage, make your gift from God always your best friend. Treat your spouse as though God has wrapped them up in a nice, beautiful package and presented them to you from him. Do the same with your children. They are a gift from him. Be careful with your relationships. So often today we enter into what are described as plutonic relationships. Those things that we have friends 
away from family, friends at work, or maybe work itself or hobbies. Make your spouse and your family your priority. When you do not, then you will find joy elsewhere. You will find it in your work. You will find it in other friendships. You will find it in hobbies. And suddenly you spend more time at work. You share more jokes, more stories with others other than your spouse. And then when asked about the happiest moment you had today or tell me about a time you laughed, you've already shared that. And suddenly you begin to say, ah, it's just the same as every day. Then a void is opened. Make sure that you remember that your spouse, your children, and many, many of your friends who truly love you are gifts from him. And as we age and life changes, we become empty nesters or we become older. We think life is over. We're retired. I don't need to do anything. I've accomplished my mission. I draw you back to the Bible and see what great things people much older than anybody in this room accomplished. The children they had, the things that they did. So approach each opportunity as a new chapter for deeper love and opportunities for both of you in oneness with him. You may think this is old-fashioned, but the truth is God has not changed and his word about marriage is the same. It's between a man and a woman. And family are the same as it ever was, regardless of the number of years of age you may become. You need to stay attached spiritually and emotionally. Let Christ be the bond that holds you together. I first thought that this next part I would address the guys, but I'm going to address both the husband and the wife. There's an area of submission, and I'll talk a little bit more about it in a minute. But if you know the game of baseball, one of the things they've gotten away from, they used to sacrifice. They would have a sacrifice bun or a sacrifice fly ball. And the intent is to move some one of the other teammates to a, a next base so maybe they'll score quicker or maybe they'll score And so you give yourself up for that teammate. You may be going up there thinking, I can hit a home run and I'll knock them in. But the coach asks you to bunt, to move that person over. Let God hit the home runs because he has already sacrificed. Families matter to God. That is why few things are more painful an unresolved conflict. In-laws, teenagers, jealous stepchildren, ex-spouses can turn a happy home into a war zone. And then we have what we classify as major events that we need to deal with, like whose turn is it to feed the dog? Why I have to do my homework before I can get on Facebook. These are major challenges for families. We allow them to become major. Actually, there's bigger challenges that are far greater. There's drugs and there's alcohol, there's abuse, there's manipulation, there's mental illness. These are situations that are real to Christian homes. 
yet we want to just shove those under the table. It seems we've exchanged love of family and home for cyber friends and living a constant motion that robs the soul of memories and perhaps from that small, still voice that really wishes to speak to us. These precious moments of the past are now tainted by anger and hate because of something that happened that particular day. The evil one convinces us that those memories are just a dream or maybe it was a facade. It wasn't real. And suddenly the tone of of voices becomes the reason for added tensions. So I throw all this out and Pastor, give us a solution. Let me give you some ideas about managing conflict. If you have your Bibles, I'd like for you to turn to James 3, verses 17 and 18. And if you don't have your Bibles and you have your phone, just mark it. And I encourage you to come back and read this personally. James 3, beginning at 17. But the wisdom that comes from heaven is first of all pure. Then peace-loving, considerate, submissive, full of mercy, and good fruit, impartial and sincere. Peacemakers who sow in peace reap a harvest of righteousness. So in dealing with conflict, here are some suggestions. Draw appropriate boundaries. Setting appropriate boundaries are biblical and enable us to set limits while still showing love and grace. I'll give you just a couple of examples. Now, sometimes we give, we give in to our kids just to get them to be quiet. When in reality, maybe we should discipline them. And then when they get older, we have situations like this. The adult mom that has three kids during the summer brings those kids over to grandma to sit with five days a week because she plays tennis, does bridge, and does other things other than being a mom. Or they expect grandma, grandpa, pick the kids up from school and take them to baseball practice because my work is more important. Set those boundaries in love and explain what the Bible says about being a parent. Then you appeal to the relationship. Always affirm the relationship and do what you can to preserve it. So you begin those tough conversations with, I love you. And I'm sorry for whatever's happening in their life. And you're there to support them, but again, remember the boundaries that need to be set. And then recognize your limits and relinquish the relationship to God. It takes two sorrows hearts to reconcile. You cannot reconcile when one continues the same sinful behavior and resists correction. Nor does correcting in anger bring reconciliation. Then when the situation seems hopeless, do not give up. Continue to pray and love and place your faith in God. Romans 12, 18 says, it is possible As far as it demands of you, live in peace with everyone. Remember, families and marriage between a man and a woman are God's idea. He can guard what he has entrusted. 
he can guard what, is in, what has been entrusted to him. God's plan will continue to work out and his purpose will prevail. So how do we disagree with family without destroying a relationship? Many relationships are destroyed through stubborn disagreements and irreconcilable differences, and usually this just involves pride and self-centeredness. The Bible is clear, gives clear directions on ways to disagree with our loved ones without destroying those relationships. Let me give you a couple of those suggestions. First of all, be peace-loving. There are those who love peace. There are those that love to fight. Having a combative spirit does not bring unity that God desires. Being a peacemaker does not mean you compromise God's truth either. It does mean you keep love at the forefront. When you love others despite your opinions and beliefs, you are promoting a sense of peace that cannot be easily be overturned. Be considerate. Listen. Listen. And listen. Speak calmly, respond instead of reacting. These are biblical ways of showing consideration to someone you disagree with. In contrast, harsh words that attack, cut down, or display rudeness never bring a resolution to an argument. Again, pride and self-centeredness, wanting to win, wanting to prove your point, is not leading to reconciliation. Again, don't compromise God's word but be loving and gracious. Do not let the lack of consideration destroy your relationships. Philippians 2, beginning in verse 3. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourselves, not looking to your own interests, but each of you to the interest of others. Be submissive. Rather than trying to be all right all the time, realize it's okay to agree to disagree. This doesn't mean you submit to false beliefs or ideas that oppose God's word. Instead, you stop unfruitful arguments. Submission is not a sign of weakness, but instead shows great strength. State the truth and then let God work. And be filled with mercy. Show mercies can move mountains in relationships. It can dissolve arguments and speaks volumes to the one you're speaking with. Instead of judging and criticizing, offer mercy, even when it's difficult. Colossians 3.12 reads, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. How do we forgive those that hurt us? It's only possible when we realize one thing. How much have we hurt God? And how has he forgiven us? Do not uh, fail to forgive others, including yourself. When an unforgiving spirit fails to solve anything, it acts as poison to our souls, and you cannot harbor anger and bitterness in your heart without bringing harm to yourself. Hebrews 12, 15. See to it that no one falls short of the grace of God and that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. Self-centered people live so often without love. 
Another scripture I'd like for you to mark is 2 Timothy 3, beginning in verse 2. People will be lovers of themselves, lovers of money, boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, and not lovers of the good. I'm sure I'm the only one in the room that has hit each and every one of those things during their life. I cringed as I read that verse that I swear God put in just for this week. I'm not sure it was there before. You see, in relationships, there comes a time when true colors show, and this is often true in families and marriages. It shows up often in the form of self-centeredness and pride. There was a girl named Maria who had broken up with Jimmy, and she simply said, I don't want to be with you anymore, Jimmy. And Jimmy was brokenhearted, and he struggled with life and thought of Maria each day. He was happy and had friends, but he just didn't care for any way the way he cared for Maria. And one day, unexpectedly, Jimmy's phone rang, and it was Maria. She said how much she had missed him. And she thought about him every day, and every minute lately she had thought about him. She said she was sorry that they broke up. Hear that word, they, when it was she. They broke up, and she said we should get back together. She said we should meet tomorrow. In fact, Now that you've won the lotto, maybe we can go to a nice restaurant. Surround your spouse, your children, your family with honest Christ-like love, not constant criticism and harsh discipline. People often transfer the feeling that they have toward their parents and toward their spouse to God. They believe that God doesn't love them because they don't feel loved. They've been told that they're bad and they're unlovable. Your children will set the bar at wherever you place it. If you tell them that they're stupid, that will be where the bar that they seek to reach. Encourage them. You see, man will fail us, but God does not. God doesn't make any mistakes. If you were born male, you are a male. If you're born female, he made you a female. We should solve problems in openness. We cannot really love one another unless we know each other's needs. This begins with open, honest relationships. More face-to-face frankness in the right spirit would help in many marriages and in many parent-child relationships. How many of us thought our parents were the dumbest people in the room as we were growing up? Only to find out later that there was wisdom in some of the things they said. James tells us to confess our faults one to another. Fathers and sons, mothers and daughters, husbands and wives should be able to express their weakness to each other. We should hear those confessions with joy and praise, but too often we cut them short. Too often we resent hearing about grievances. When we are slow to hear and quick to speak, we reverse what is the Bible is trying to teach us. Basically, we disobey God. Think about listening Lovingly, as part of the Christian way of life, honest and courage take it takes that to acknowledge your faults. But you know what? When you acknowledge your faults, you encourage others, even family members, who both for both of you to understand and talk more freely about your shortcomings. These conversations live to, lead to forgiveness and reconciliation. 
Amazing things can happen when a family of God bands together in peace and reconciliation. Sometimes it takes only one person, one moment to bring a family back together. Sometimes it's just two words sincerely spoken that reconciles a family and relationships. Merely forgive me. Be the encourager to those around you. You know, we see at football games, we see cheerleaders. They're just all pumped up for their football team, and they go on and on, and they think their football team, even though they're losing 40 to nothing, is going to actually win, and they cheer that way. They, I remember the old cheers where one side said, we've got spirit. Yes, we do. We've got spirit. How about you? And the other side would yell back and forth. Why can't we get that in church for Jesus? Why can't we be encouraged? Sometimes we may need to be encouraged. And if you're encouraging others, I promise you, God will lead and encourage you to you. The church should be a place where we are stirred up for Jesus. By faith, we receive Christ into our heart. This is the childlike quality of trust that so often as we grow older, we give up. Remember when your kids were little and they were going to jump in the pool, they had these floaties. They don't understand floaties. They think, I'm going to go underwater. But you hold your arms out to them and you tell them, I will catch you. You run behind them as they learn how to ride a bike and they trust you. Jesus refers to us having that childlike trust. Read what God's word says about parenting, about marriage, about husbands, about wives, about relationships, about judgment, and about forgiveness. It's a blueprint in the Bible. Let it speak to you personally. Deepen your relationship with the creator of the universe. Repent of your sin. Realize God loves you despite your sins, despite your failures. He loves you, and he's willing to forgive you. Be obedient to his, to his love, to his leadership. Lorena. So toward your spouse, children, and family, including church family, and all those that cross your path, remember what is written in Micah 6, 8. He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. And what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, and to walk in humility with God. But also remember what is written in Matthew 15, 19. Out of the heart proceeds evil thoughts and adulteries and all sins that we commit. War comes from the human heart. Family tensions, problems, pride, hatred, revenge, unforgiveness, anger, rebellion, all come from prideful self-centeredness. God has anger toward the wicked. The truth about repentance is simple. Unless you repent, you will perish. Turn to Christ, turn to the truth. Jesus said in John 8, 32, you shall know the truth and the truth shall set you free. He is in the embodiment of truth. He says himself, I am the truth. You see, guys, we live in a moment in time with great opportunities to serve the one that has blessed us, even when we have disappointed him and hurt him. Repent for the time is now to be held accountable for what we accomplish for his kingdom beginning tomorrow. We are alive during this time for his reason, for his purpose. Amen. May the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so that you may abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. May you go in peace.